Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well. Because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments, so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Just a quick bit of housekeeping before I introduce today's special guest. I'm happy to announce that my I'm working on my next book. The title is Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again for Men. I've discovered 14 root causes of fatigue. I like to call them the fatigue factors. And in this book, I'll explain eight of the 14 and how they specifically relate to men. And of course, I'll include my own personal fatigue story, along with four or five other stories from real fatigue cases from my private practice. This book should be ready later this year. That's it for our housekeeping, so let's get started. I'm very excited about this week's show because my special guest is someone that I greatly admire. His name is Dr. Michael Ruscio. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Ruscio is an expert in functional medicine, an expert in finding the cause of your ailments. In addition to being in private practice, Dr. Ruscio also researches and lectures nationally to doctors and students. Dr. Ruscio is also currently writing a book on hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. He's a leader in the functional medicine movement to focus on treating the cause of disease rather than medicating symptoms. Dr. Ruscio, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I always love to ask my docs that come on about your story. Like, how did you get involved in functional medicine yeah it's it's a good story so thanks uh thanks for asking and i'll try to give the reader's digest version so i don't bore everyone thoroughly to death but um i was uh in college and uh i was pre-med and really intent on going into conventional medicine i wanted to go into orthopedics probably orthopedic surgery and that was really what my focus was on and i was also an athlete i was playing college across and was used to just kind of feeling invincible. I mean, I could get, you know, totally laid out in lacrosse field, bounce right back up, run around the field, you know, ton of energy, um, really good focus and just, you know, kind of a typical 23-year-old, I guess, just felt invincible. And um, I, I lived a really healthy life. I was really into health and fitness, ate all organic food, exercise, got plenty of sleep. And all of a sudden, I started having really bad insomnia and fatigue and, and bouts of depression and I was feeling cold and my skin started feeling dry uh, and my uh, my hair started getting thin. I started noticing it. I, I would eat a food and then all of a sudden have a really bad bout of brain fog um, just all of a sudden. And, and so I knew something was clearly, clearly wrong. 
And so I went to three doctors, my endocrinologist, or I shouldn't say my endocrinologist, I wasn't seeing one, I just, I found an endocrinologist, I found a, a general practitioner, and I found um, a, um, God, what was the third one, endo-GP and an internist. And all three of them ran some tests, did some history, and said, oh, you're probably just stressed out because of school and, you know, uh, whatever, some sort of dismissive uh, it's remark. It's all in your head, yes. Right, right. Yeah. And I knew, I'm, I'm looking at this objectively and saying, okay, up until now I felt invincible and all of a sudden, like on a dime, I'm feeling terrible and nothing has really changed in my life. So I knew something really had to be wrong. And so luckily I was plugged into a really kind of progressive exercise therapy circle um, and I heard about this functional medicine doctor that actually um, lived in California. I was in Massachusetts at the time, but he did phone consults. And so I did a consult with him. We did um, a little bit of uh, examination and testing. And he said, I, I think you might have a parasite. I want you to do this test, this stool test. And uh, I remember thinking, this guy's full of crap. You know, I mean, I, how would I have ever had a parasite? I totally didn't think that at all. But um, the more I thought about it, I said, well, it may not be a bad idea. The, the main stumbling block for me was I was a college student, and the test was like $350. So I had to save up for a haircut when I was in college, never mind spend $350 for a stool test. But eventually I did it. I had an amoebic infection, amoeba histolytica, which is a very nasty infection to have. And um, treating that infection was really the only thing that got me better, even though I had tried natural herbs for thyroid, natural uh, you know uh, supplements and herbs for libido, and, and and all these other kind of natural treatments, because I went on the internet and started looking these things up. So that was a really important lesson for me, which was you can have all these symptoms, but these symptoms can actually be secondary to an underlying cause. And for me, it was a gut infection. And it wasn't until I identified and addressed that gut infection that I actually got better. And that's why. Now I have so much emphasis on my in, in my practice on the gut because I will routinely see the same thing in my patients where they will be chasing around a depression or fatigue um, or thyroid diagnosis. And in a lot of cases, it actually comes down to an underlying problem in the gut. Yeah, so we have something in common there because I was going through a lot of stress going through school also and came down with fatigue and I was actually diagnosed with uh, hypothyroidism, except the doctor was like, it's not bad enough, so we'll just wait. I was like, what? <laughs> and uh, so then I started applying functional medicine to myself. And I did a stool test as well and found a parasite. It was cryptosporidium parvum. And so for the listeners out there, this stool testing is an expensive test. But my gosh, I can't tell you how many times that has like hit the nail on the head for where the symptoms are coming from. So one of the reasons why I have Dr. Ruscio on today is to talk about um, one of the infections in the gut, and it's called SIBO. And SIBO is, cannot be found with a regular stool test. So Dr. Ruscio, please tell our listeners what the heck is SIBO. So SIBO stands for Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth, SIBO. And essentially... Uh, well, maybe the symptoms first. The, the symptoms of SIBO are very similar to IBS, irritable bowel, irritable bowel syndrome. Excuse me. Uh, this might be gas, bloating, constipation, or loose stools, or an oscillation between kind of a constipative and, and diarrheal presentation, abdominal pain. Those are some of the most common symptoms. 
However, that being said, some people will have non-digestive symptoms that can be caused by SIBO also, like fatigue or joint pain or depression. Um, but the classical symptoms are very much like IBS, uh, altered bowel function, uh, abdominal pain, bloating. And this happens when the bacteria in the colon can grow upward into the small intestine. If you think of the digestive tract like a tube, and just for simplicity's sake, let's, it's not a straight tube, but let's just picture it's a straight tube that goes right from your mouth all the way down to your anus. So toward the, the rectal end of things, toward the colon, there should be a fairly high density of bacteria. And these are good bacteria that, that are, are symbiotic and, and beneficial for us. However, if the downward flow of food is interrupted, going you know from the mouth down uh, out through the rectum, then the bacteria in the colon can start to grow upward into the small intestine where they shouldn't be. And when they get there, they can cause significant damage. They can cause all the symptoms that we just mentioned. And part of the reason why that may happen is because of the inflammation in the intestines that they can cause, the malabsorption, and also, in some cases, the bacteria can cause damage to the intestinal lining similar to what's seen in celiac disease or really full-blown gluten allergy. And so this can really be a significant problem for a lot of people. So um, one of the things that you mentioned was um, symptoms of IBS, so bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, abdominal aches and pains. Um, what What might some of the other symptoms be to like, if you had a patient coming in to see you, like I know what it is for me, if you had a patient coming in to see you, what would um, raise a red flag in your head to say, oh, I think this patient might have SIBO? Well, the way I like to look at this is if someone is not on a healthy diet, then the first thing I like to do is put them on a healthy diet because a lot of symptoms can come from a poor diet. So I, I would say that's true. Yes. If someone, right? So it's, and I think it's important for us to, to reiterate that, which which is if you haven't tried some kind of healthy diet, maybe a, a paleo-ish diet or at least a diet where you're cutting out processed foods and trying to eat mostly fresh, whole uh, foods that you buy and prepare yourself, um, then that's probably a really good place to start. But if someone comes in and their diet's at least okay and they're still having symptoms of gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, loose stools, or just alter bowel function where maybe they're constipated for a couple days and they have a few days of diarrhea or loose stools. Those are the most classic symptoms where you can be fairly certain you have a high likelihood of SIBO. So definitely those are are the the most, most common. But like I mentioned a moment ago, as we're learning more about this condition, and I think as, as many of us, Dr. Carey, I'm sure you have noticed this for several years, People can have a gut condition that can manifest in non-gut ways. So things like skin conditions or headaches or depression or fatigue. Um, I had a patient the other day with really bad rheumatoid arthritis that improved immensely after treating his SIBO. And he didn't even really have any digestive symptoms. He just solely had he had SIBO on his lab work, but the only way it manifested was this rheumatoid arthritis. Um so I know that's not a super neat answer where it's just like these three symptoms, um, but I, I guess to zoom way out and give a maybe a clear encapsulation of that, if someone has changed their diet 
and and their lifestyle is is fairly uh, in order and they're still not feeling well one of the first things i'd be curious to look into would would be SIBO and i guess to add to that one of the one of the things that will raise the red flag in my head is if a patient comes in and they say okay i'm 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 eating a healthy diet i really haven't found any changes and i've i tried probiotics but my gosh every time i try probiotics i feel worse so i think oh i wonder if they have too much bacteria in their small intestine and now they're adding more to it yes that, that's a that's a very uh, definitely a very good way of, of trying to sort through this absolutely okay so like you said SIBO the symptoms of, of SIBO can be digestive but there can be other symptoms as well and we learned some of these so Dr. Ruscio and I we were at the same symposium that was not that long ago the SIBO symposium we were geeking out on SIBO <laughs> learning from the top experts in the country and they were saying that even things like rosacea can be caused by SIBO fibromyalgia can be caused by SIBO restless leg syndrome can be caused by SIBO chronic uh, pelvic pain like endometriosis kind of symptoms dysmenorrhea painful periods can be caused by SIBO right yeah and and uh, even things like high cholesterol levels and obesity there's starting to be some data published showing that SIBO may be at the underlying cause of, of even things like that yeah okay so now that you've kind of outlined for our listeners what SIBO is how about we take the next step and talk about how do we even test for it is there a test for it? Well, I know the answer, but... <laughs> right. Sure. Well, thank you for the... Yeah, uh, letting me kind of head that one up. <laughs> um, well, again, for the testing, I just want to quickly reiterate that someone may first want to try improving their diet because, again, that may clear up all these symptoms. So to me, diet is kind of one of the first quote-unquote tests that we do. Um, but specifically testing for SIBO, there's really only one test that I think is routinely available for most people and also scientifically validated and that is the lactulose uh, hydrogen methane breath test. So essentially someone will drink this solution called lactulose and then they collect breath samples usually every 20 minutes for three hours and then the levels of hydrogen and methane uh, are analyzed in the breath and the readings of those gases can tell us if someone has SIBO. That, that's the gold standard, or I'm sorry, that's not actually the gold standard test, but that's, that's the most clinically available uh, test. The, the gold standard is what's called jejunal aspirates, where someone, uh, a gastroenterologist, has to take a sampling of fluid from your jejunum, which is a section of the small intestines. Um, that test is, as you can imagine, having someone stick a tube all the way down into your small intestine and take a sample of fluid, it's a fairly invasive test, so it's it's not routinely done. Even the leading researchers in small intestinal bacterial overgrowth don't seem to be advocating that test uh, clinically because it's, it's just so uh, invasive and, and difficult to perform. So uh, the best test is the breath test. There's also a, a urine test that is um, sometimes discussed regarding SIBO. However, that test has not been really scientifically validated. It may have some application as a secondary screening if you're really just trying to find some way of, of getting an assessment of the gut. But um, really the, the breath test with uh, lactulose provoked hydrogen and methane is, is the best test to use. So basically for the listeners out there, if you were to do this test, um, and, and this test can be done from your home too. A lot of the labs will send the test kit directly to you at your home. 
Um, you would be on a specific diet for 24 hours, sometimes 48 hours. Yes, yeah, one, one to two day prep diet, yeah. And then you would drink a solution of lactulose, which is a type of a sugar that your body does not digest, but the bacteria, if you've got bacteria in your small intestine, the bacteria is just going to eat up that lactulose, just eat it all up, and from that produce hydrogen or methane gas that floats into your bloodstream, and then you're going to breathe that out. So you take the samples every 20 minutes over two to three hours to see if you are producing too much hydrogen, if you're producing too much methane, and that's how we test for SIBO. And it's really great that the test can be done at home because it really makes it very convenient for a lot of patients, especially if you can imagine if you had to do this at a lab and hang out for three hours. It, it makes it kind of hard. to, you know, I, don't, I don't know a lot of people who would willingly want to hang out at a lab for three hours and, and collect breath samples. So at least with the home test kits, like you said, Dr. Carey, you can do it at home on a Sunday and, and not really have too much hassle associated with it. And then one of the nice things about having the test done is, well, first of all, you know if you have SIBO or not. And then it'll kind of give us, as a doctor, it'll kind of give us an idea of how easy it will be to fix or how difficult it's going to be to fix too. Right, Dr. Ruscio? Absolutely, yes. The uh, the levels of the gas, I like to break it down for people as either a mild, a moderate, or a severe case. So when, when a patient uh, comes in and we get their testing back, I'll report back to them, you know, we have kind of a three-tiered three uh, scale. You're either mild, moderate, or severe. And a mild case, we may be able to clear up with just one round of treatment. A moderate case may take two to three, and a severe case may take over three rounds of treatment to fully clear. And I think that's a really important point because some people um, will get diagnosed with SIBO, do a round of treatment, and then retest. The SIBO won't be cleared, and a particular patient may become frustrated with their current provider and and go see another doctor. And uh, I would... I would recommend to people that if you have confidence in the doctor that you're working with or, or the clinician that you're working with and you do one round of treatment for SIBO, I wouldn't necessarily jump ship just just yet if you have confidence in that provider because sometimes we have to try different types of treatments or more than one round of treatment to really get the ideal outcome. So let's dive into treatment. What are some of the treatments that are available? Well, there are three general treatments that are available um, and this is to actively kind of kill or starve the bacteria. Um, my method of choice is herbal antimicrobials, so herbs that act similar to antibiotics. These are things like oil of oregano or uh, berberine or grapefruit seed extract. Um, there are also pharmaceutical antibiotics like rifaximin and neomycin seem to be the two most um, well-studied antibiotics in this application. And then thirdly, there is uh, a liquid diet called the elemental diet where someone will exclusively consume this liquid. It's, I guess you could say it's kind of like a slim fast shake, but it tastes a lot worse. And uh, <laughs> this, is, this is all someone would be consuming for anywhere from two to three weeks. Um, and, and so, yeah, th those are the three treatments that are available. Okay, so we do the treatment either natural antimicrobials or prescription antibiotics or elemental diet, and then retest. 
Yes, and it's it's really important to retest for, especially for SIBO, because uh, like we've been talking about, Dr. Carey, um, we don't always clear SIBO after one round of treatment. And so it's very important for someone to retest. And actually, one of the major errors I made when I was a patient was I didn't retest my amoeba after I treated it. And I thought it was gone. Um, I, I just assumed because I did a round of treatment that it was going to be gone. But actually... I continued to feel worse and worse and worse over the next six to eight months of my life and, and really felt very poorly for those six to eight months only to come back to the doctor I was working with and his first question to me was, well, have you retested yet? And I said, no. And he said, well, <laughs> that's the first thing we should do. And I retested. I saw that the amoeba was still there and I was really, really disappointed because about eight months of my life, I felt poorly that I probably didn't need to because I didn't retest. So Definitely retesting is important so we know, is it still there? Is it not there? Um, have we made an, an impact on the hydrogen and not the methane or the methane and not the hydrogen? And it's really, really helpful to steer further treatment. So even if the patient is feeling like a million dollars, we still need to retest because there still can be an infection lingering and it'll just grow right back if we don't know it's there. Absolutely. And some patients will feel better um, but when we retest, they don't. Their their levels still aren't aren't fully cleared, and so yes, it's 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 definitely important to retest. And and sometimes, uh, what some patients like to do, if if they're let's say they're feeling ninety percent improved after one round of treatment, and their testing is also ninety percent improved, they may say, well, doc, can I take a month or two off just to kind of you know chill out from having to do all this all this stuff, and you know there, there's a pro and there's a con there. But sometimes to keep people motivated, they need a month off of treatment before they can come back to it. And so maybe it's important to mention that um, let's say you've done one round of treatment and you're feeling better, but you're also feeling like you don't feel super motivated to do another round of treatment. Well, you may be able to get away with taking a little bit of time off to kind of recharge your motivation. It may not be the best thing to do clinically because it's potentially better to move through it swiftly. But sometimes I find if we make little concessions to help keep people motivated then then we'll uh how do you say it? we'll we'll lose the battle but win the war so to speak so yes just, yes there's something to throw out there no you bring up a great point because motivation is is an important factor and i know for me personally when i was going through all the treatment for myself i mean there were points where i was just like all these capsules that i'm swallowing and i'm just like oh i'm right. just so tired of swallowing capsules i need a break right. so it's true i mean it happens to all of us even us functional medicine docs yeah yeah so uh yeah sometimes if you need to go live life and forget about health for a month and then come back to it then then that's okay so one of the things in functional medicine is always about finding the root cause. So, okay, so we found SIBO. There's too much bacteria growing in the small intestine. We kill off the bacteria. But why did it even grow there in the first place? Well, the, there, there's a few different reasons that may predispose one uh, for this. Uh, if people are using opioid painkiller medications, that's one. Uh, if people are taking acid suppressing medication like uh, Nexium or Prilosec, that's another. Uh, but probably the, the more common one is if someone has what's called impaired motility. And like we spoke about a little while ago, um, you know, picturing that tube running from the mouth to the rectum and needing to have that flow of food downward and outward, 
if that flow of food is is impaired, that that could allow the bacteria to grow um, upward from the from the colon up into the small intestine. And what that flow of food is known as is motility, or movement. And when that motility is is disturbed or impaired, that can really set the stage for uh, for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And and that is probably the most important and, and going to be the, the root cause of the SIBO for, for most people. So again, there should be a certain amount of motility, always sweeping things, sweeping food and sweeping bacteria always towards the colon. So think of it just always, always making things flow downstream. And if the motility stops, it becomes like stagnant and you get the bugs starting to grow. Just like if you have a pond that becomes stagnant you start to get algae and mosquitoes and all kinds of funky stuff. Exactly. And I, I use that analogy all the time, the running water compared to the stagnant water. Yeah, the stagnant water fosters bacteria growth. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Oh, you know, I could just keep talking and talking about SIBO. <laughs> 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 but we're starting to run low on time. So I know that you have a new website and a new podcast. So can you tell our guests about that? And on top of that, and this is even more exciting, you are doing a study about the natural treatments for preventing SIBO. Yes, yes, very excited about that. Um, so the the website we launched um, maybe about three or four months ago, and we do a weekly podcast. We have a two-part series on SIBO. So if people wanted to go a little bit deeper, there are two 30-minute episodes dedicated to SIBO. We also have um, one or two follow-up episodes on SIBO. We have a number of podcast on thyroid um, and actually a really in-depth series on thyroid and iodine that I think help cut through a lot of the confusion for people who don't really understand how thyroid and iodine work. They hear conflicting things. It's bad. It's good. Uh-huh. Um, so there, there's a lot of resources there for people. There's also a newsletter. Uh, we I push out a, um, a newsletter a couple times a week. Anytime we put out a new piece of content, we essentially just shoot a note out through our newsletter saying, hey, there's a new podcast episode or there's a new article. Um, so that can be helpful for people. Uh, for for information, and then the study I'm really really excited about. Um, once people clear SIBO, a very important next step is preventing the SIBO from coming back. And there are a couple of natural treatments that are often used for SIBO, but no one's actually done a what we call a randomized control trial, uh, a high level study to see how effective these agents actually are. And so I've been working uh, for the past several months to set up this study, and we'll be enrolling patients in this study um, probably sometime toward the middle to the end of the year. So 2015, maybe somewhere around August, September, we'll be enrolling patients, and we'll probably have uh, an enrollment window open for a month or two. But if people are listening to this and they're currently being treated for SIBO, that is the perfect person to reach out to their office if they wanted to enroll in the study because when someone would enroll in the study would be once they've treated their SIBO and then retested and now the SIBO is gone and we're trying to prevent the SIBO from coming back. That's the population we're trying to study and, and we're trying to quantify how effective this natural treatment. So uh, if someone is listening to this and I'd like to get involved in our study and I would, I would really encourage people too because the more people in the study, the the higher the level of the results that we'll produce, um, they can reach out to my office and they can do so through my website, which, which is just drrusho.com, www.dr, 
R-U-S-C-I-O.com. And you can either call or, or email our office and let them know that you'd like to participate. And uh, you can become part of hopefully what will be a pivotal study in, in helping us better learn how to prevent SIBO from reoccurring. Dr. Ruscio, that's so exciting. You're working on a study. You've got a book going. You started the podcast. You've got newsletters. My gosh, how do you have time for it all? Probably not something <laughs> as much as I should. <laughs> oh, Dr. Ruscio, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has been an awesome interview. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Michael Ruscio. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.